0: Does anybody even remember what we're talking about? No. Y'all are doing good. I love it. Yeah. We're talking about love. And we're, and we're going to major in it, guys. We are. Amen. Um, I, I'm going to read a scripture to you right now. And uh, then I'm going to read something out of Kenyon's book. And I didn't um, give this to him on the paper. So Colossians 3.13. It says... Um, no, it's 14. That's why I didn't. 3.14. Beloved, above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This morning when I woke up, I decided to put on suit and tie. Well, I didn't put on a tie, but <laughs> suit. Yesterday, I did not have on a suit. I had on shorts and a T-shirt and because when you're in the yard and you get all hot and sweaty mowing the grass, you don't want to dress up for that. But you know what? I chose to get up and put it on. If, and I, if you don't choose to put something on, you're not, it won't get on you. <laughs> I'm going to show you something about walking in love, and I'm going to show you why we're doing this. It's very important. The world we're living in today has, is not the same world you and I lived in 10 years ago. It's becoming a lot looser. It's becoming more promiscuous. And it's becoming more and more ungodly. You don't need that in the church. So, so I don't want to come in here and preach holiness to you. I I don't want to preach condemnation to you. I don't want to preach live right to you. You know to do that. But it's one thing when someone says that we should live a holy life to ask the question, how do you live a holy life? How do you do this? And it's not hair length or tongue length or, you know, makeup or no makeup. It actually boils down to the, the, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, if you walk in love, you've kept the law. So, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. If, if keeping the law is walking in love and that's the commandment, then maybe we should major own love. But you will not ever do this if you don't choose to do it. I've read a lot of this stuff before. I've read love, I've preached love, I've walked in love, but this time, and I know the next time I'll learn more, I've decided to take every word apart. Because like today, we're going to talk about envieth not. That really doesn't mean much. Don't envy that. Until you take it apart, boy, then it starts meaning something. I want to read something to you from a book by E.W. Kenyon, and this is a book on prayer. Listen to what he said. Everyone has his place in the prayer life. God has no unused members. There isn't a useless member in the physical body. Neither is there in the spiritual body of Christ. God has planned with divine wisdom, the body of Christ. And the moment you're born in that body, you have a place which to function. If anyone thinks that because of a lack of training or lack of this or that, he has no place. He's been deluded by the enemy. You do have a place. With that place comes responsibility. With the responsibility comes reward or demerit. If you do not play, take your place in the family of God, in the church, and begin to function, the body of Christ is weakened because of it. Some have the idea a special vocation is to criticize others for not doing more. The Holy Spirit's the only one that has that position. You have no right to set yourself up as a critic. Your business is to find your place and fill it. Until you do, you're going to pay a price. I want you to know, my brother and sister, the price you pay for staying out of the will of God is expensive. Now, listen to what I just said. Now, listen, this is not not God doing it. This is not God, because you're not obeying, doing something to you. But it's you not being in the will of God that's causing heartache. Being out of God's will... Will cost you. Now let me read what he says here. Don't you this is extremely true. You are going to pay for it in sickness, loss of money, unhappiness with your loved ones, for you cannot be the protected one, the cared for one, as long as you are standing outside of God's will for your life. And having said that, you would think people would want to be in the middle of the will of God. I've been pastoring, I've been, I've been preaching now for 30 years. Um, I've been saved for 40. And I remember when I had a youth group, I had teenagers that went on and made it and did good. And I had some that didn't. I, I had young girls in there that since my youth group had been married four times, got six kids and their own welfare. Then been, that was, that, that was not necessary, but they came to the youth group. They didn't apply themselves. They were born again, filled with the Holy ghost, but they never did anything with it. They just played games, got up, fought their job. See in the world today, they tell you, if you have a good career, if you marry somebody, you have a good life. No, you won't. You need to learn to pray. God, what is it you want me to do? Where do you want me? And how do you want me to be living? So I have found out that if you want to get right in the middle of the will of God, you're going to have to learn to walk in love because God is love. A step out of love is a step away from God. A step away from God is a step into sin. A step into sin is a step into giving Satan authority over your life. You have one protected place in all of the earth. If you're walking in the love of God, then you're shielded. You're protected from the enemy. So is it beneficial that we learn about love? Yes, it is. Is it beneficial that that we actually learn to put love on? Yes, because you will never do it if you don't purpose to do it. If you don't purpose patience, you will never be patient. If you don't purpose to be kind, you will not be pined. And so today we're going to get to the third word, which is envieth not. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Go over there. Let's read it now. Am I going too fast for y'all or are y'all going too slow for me? <laughs> y'all want to learn about this? Cause I do. Yes. I'm, I, you know, sometimes you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired yes. and decide that if you're walking in love, you're walking in God, yes. man, that's awesome. That means all you got to do is make one adjustment and your life changes one adjustment. You don't have to do 20 things, just one. Just open up love, read it, study it, look at it, start doing it. And the more of love you're walking in, see out of Jesus said out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. That means that the irrigation you need for life is already inside of you. You already have everything you need for life, but you're the one that needs to pray. You're the one that needs to walk with God. All right. So it says in, in, um, It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love suffers long. That means it's patient and it's kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself, is not puffed up, and is not rude. I'm going to stop right there because that's as far as we'll get today. What does it mean when it says love envies not? It means love is not a braggart. The very first thing you've got to learn about love, love does not Brag. Go to Romans chapter four. I want to read something to you. We'll learn the difference between bragging and, 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 and talking about the good things you've done in a minute. It says in verse one, what can we say to this? Abraham, our father has found according to the flesh. If Abraham was justified or made righteous by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin. Stop and think about this for a minute. What did Abraham to get the blessing on him? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's a powerful statement. Now, see, we've studied because after Abraham, God brought Moses and brought the law and the Jewish nation thought that keeping the law would make them right. But Abraham wasn't blessed and wasn't made righteous by keeping the law. What caused God to bless Abraham? Well, God made a covenant. God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham asked him a question, said, how do I know you're going to do this? Let me ask you a question. If God doesn't keep his word, where are you going to find a lawyer to sue him? (laughs) Or where are you going to find somebody big enough to get his arm behind his neck and make him do what he said? You can't make God do anything. So Abraham goes, that's really fine and good God, but how do I know you're going to keep your word to me? He said, I want you to go get two turtle doves and I want you to cut a covenant. A blood covenant is a covenant between two men or between God and a man where, the, where the, you are guaranteeing yourself. If I break the covenant, I will kill myself. That's a powerful thing to say to another person. That is the reason why right now at this date, there has never been a person in Africa ever break a blood covenant never in the history of Africa has anyone ever broken a blood covenant. It is the most sacred contract on the earth. Everything that you have belongs to the person you're in blood covenant with and everything they own belongs to you and you have become one person. Marriage is a blood covenant. So God cuts a covenant with Abraham and says, I promise to give myself. Now somebody said, well, wait a minute. How did Abraham know about Jesus? Well, you remember Jesus made a statement. He said, Abraham saw my day. When did Abraham see Jesus? Well, when God, when Abraham and God cut that covenant, the Bible says a darkness came over him. And I believe that God showed Abraham Jesus dying on the cross. So Abraham knew and understood that God had cut a covenant with him. So the, uh, so listen, there's a scripture that says without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. God is a covenant keeping God. All of us were enemies to God until Jesus came along. You understand that because all of Sin and fallen short of the glory of God, that you and I had zero chance of walking with God or knowing God or any relationship to God. But when Jesus came to this earth and He shed His blood and He took His blood to the mercy seat of God and put His blood over all of the things, mercy was extended to you and I. God has blessed you because of the blood of Jesus. The only reason. And you have a future. The only reason you have, you are now allowed to walk into the throne room of an almighty, awesome, terrible God and get anything you want because your debt was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Now God cut covenant with Abraham and Abraham put his faith in God. In other words, God did that for Abraham and gave it to him as a gift. Can Abraham brag on what he did? Can you? No. You and I have no bragging rights. No, no, look at me. Uh uh-uh. uh. You don't want to look at me and we don't want to look at you. When you walk in the throne room, God is not looking at you. He's looking at the blood of Jesus. When you're praying, he's not looking at you. He's looking at the blood of Jesus. When you got born again, it's because he was looking at the blood of Jesus. When you asked for the Holy Ghost, it was because of the blood of Jesus. Everything God has ever done and ever will do was because somebody paid for it in blood. So anyway, though though we get the blessing of it, we have no bragging rights. So love does not brag. Look at me. Look at what I did. You don't have any look at what I did. You need to look at what he did. All right, let's go. John 3 26. Look at this. And they came to him and said, Rabbi, he went to you with you behind Jordan and has testified. Behold, he is baptized and talking about John the Baptist and all are coming to him. And John said, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. Amen. You know, now, now, now listen to me. I, I know that y'all are awesome. <laughs> At least you think you are. And when you got born again, God put his life in you and he put in you the mind of Christ. If God takes his hand off of you, You're going to go back to being a caveman by tomorrow morning. The further you get from God, the more you act like an idiot. If you think I'm not joking, you have not been watching the news. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Everything you have and everything you are, everything you will ever be was given to you by God. Now, now I'm saying this because love is not envious and we're going to talk about other people. Now listen to me very carefully because it says in the book of Proverbs that God lifts up and God puts down and promotion comes from the Lord. It didn't say it comes from college. It didn't say it comes from good looks. It didn't say it comes from your job. It says it comes from God. So if you're not where you should be, there's no reason you do get mad at everybody. Your problem's in your bathroom mirror. Now, well, now we're talking about love, right? So you're getting mad at people needs to come to an end right now. But if God promotes you, If God says, if God kisses you, you kissed. God kissed David. David was just a shepherd boy. Saul was the king. Saul disobeyed God, and God put Saul down and took a boy out of a sheepfold and made him the king of Israel and made him a mighty warrior. When God kissed David, David got kissed. Didn't matter whether Saul liked him. Didn't matter who did. If God likes him, you're going to the top. And when he sets you on a throne, you're on that throne. So here's the good news. If God raises you up, hey, don't worry about what anybody says. They, can't, they didn't put you there and they can't take you down. They didn't save you and they can't take it away. They didn't give you joy and they can't have it. I'm blessed and there's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't matter whether you tithe or don't, I'm blessed. I didn't wake up this morning worried about you. If I did, I would have gone crazy a long time ago and shot myself. (laughs) Worried about what people think. Glory be to God. Go to Psalm 75. We're still talking about walking in love, right? Love does not envy, which means it's not a braggart. Ain't no bragging rights. Psalm 75. I may have to just skip bouncing around in my Bible. Exalt Verse 6, exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. God is the judge. He puts one down and he exalts another. Now, there's a lot of things happening in America today and there are people getting promotions around you and you're not getting them. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to go spend time with your father. That's the only person you need to be talking to right now. Cain thought Abel was his problem. Saul thought David was his problem. And the Pharisees thought Jesus was his problem. So they took him and killed him and threw him in the ground. But it didn't do a lot of good, did it? Because if God decides you're coming out of the dirt, you're coming out of the dirt. If God decides Jesus is Lord, you would make him Lord and sit him on the throne. doesn't matter what the Pharisees did. doesn't matter what the whole world does. You know, it's amazing right now watching what the world thinks of Israel. You get over it. If God said it's their land, it's their land, yeah. and you might as well be real nice and just get with the program, baby. Because if God blesses you, you blessed. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you why I learned this. If I can tell about me, go to Luke 14. I'm going to tell the story about myself. I have to tell stories on myself because I can't tell stories on you. I could, but I won't. <laughs> When I got married to Lisa, I I convinced her thoroughly I had a call of God on my life. But I was convinced that I was called to be an evangelist. So I went out and got me a 501c3. Y'all know what that is? Nonprofit organization. I got, we got us an 8086 computer, which is a glorified typewriter. And we got us, and, and, and so... I wanted to travel and preach and in one year I got three places and one of them took up an offering that didn't pay for my gas. That's all I had. I got, I got so tired of trying to get God to do what I said that I quit. You know, he just don't move sometimes the way you think he should And you're going to find out real quick, one of you alls not God. So I went to the Lord and I said, I will never again, the longest day I live, promote myself. If you called me, you do it. And I had to do that because I had, I had to quit striving because it was making me ugly. Y'all know anybody like that? Don't look at your spouse. So, Air Mobile Ministries, I called them and they had a place for me in the ministry running a camera, the projector, not preaching, running a projector. And I said, I'll do it. I'll do the projector. Now, what that means, we had four films in the Jesus films, two hours long, and they lasted 30 minutes each. And we're over there with two projectors, and one of them's playing, Jesus is playing, and everybody's sitting in front of a daylight screen. And then all of a sudden, when this film ends, I got to turn this one off and turn this one on, and nobody ever knew we did a film change. And then I got to take this reel and reel it up and put it again, put the other one back up and get it ready for the next one. You know, and that was my job. I ran the soundboard, and I ran the film, and that was my job. I ran the film. I did nothing else. One night, the Lord said to me, Tonight, you are doing the altar call. And I said, Uh-huh. I ain't saying nothing to nobody. Now, li- listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help us. If you have to put yourself in a seat, it's not your seat. I'm helping you with your job. Listen, God is a big God. You learn humility and God will take you places you've never been before. But if you're proud, there are doors he's trying to open and he can't, he can't take you through them. So that night, Joe Hurston walks up to a guy named Fred and said, Fred, you're doing the altar call. And I'm sitting there laughing. And so Fred turns to me and looks at me and says, I don't have nothing, Morgan. Why don't you do the altar call? And I said, Fred. He told you to do it, now you do it. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? I already know God told me to do it. I don't, are y'all listening? Listen, you do not have to promote yourself. You've learned this. You're going to go someplace in God. You'll go someplace on this planet. So Fred turns to me and says, I got nothing. I said, I'm sorry, you're, you're doing it. He said, help me. I said, I'm helping you, nothing. And I went and sat down. And he's walking around praying, oh, God, help me, oh, help me, Jesus. And I'm laughing. And he walks up to me and he said, would you at least pray? I said, I'll pray. He told me you to preach. So he walks up, he hands me the mic, and he ran. <laughs> and I'm standing there praying over this crowd, and, and, he, and, the, and the preacher's gone. Oh Holy Ghost hit me, baby. I got up there, and I gave an altar call, and I preached Jesus. He only got about five minutes because they just watched a two-hour film. So I'm just preaching Jesus, come to Jesus, be born again. And I mean, the power of God hit that place. This is the Bahamas, and I and there was a bus there full of little black kids. I couldn't see one of them, but I knew they were there because I could feel them in the bus. I'd go from one head to the next, you know, laying hands on I jumped in that bus, laid hands on those kids. God filled every one of them with the Holy Ghost. I jumped out of that bus and ran through the the field that night and and put my arms out. Everybody I touched got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I looked down at people laying out in the power all over the field. And then Roland Yates, the guy that owns Burger Kings in Cocoa Beach, looked and said, my God, you can preach. And then he, how come you never told us? I said, how come you never asked? That night, they gave me the ministry. And I ran it for several years. Now listen, I didn't need to, I had to learn to let God be God. Yes. Then later, same thing happened here at Word of Life Church. I'm the only guy that told them, Don't, I'm not Him. You want a pastor, don't ask me. I'm the only one that told Marshall May and Bill Leggett, don't ask me. And they, and the last I heard, they're still looking. Are y'all out there? If God says, are y'all getting this? If God says something's yours, it's yours. The the war has to come to an end. Right now, everybody in the world is fighting. There's no reason for you to fight. All right, let me read this to you. Luke 14. Are y'all there? Come on, this is good. And he told in the parable, those who were invited, noticed that they wanted the best places. When you're invited to a wedding feast, do not sit in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. You sat in that seat and they ask you to get up and go sit in the back. That's humiliating. Now, God's not into humiliation. Why didn't you come in and sit in the back? Why don't you let, if that's your seat, why don't you let God put you in that seat? And if he didn't put you in that seat, you're not ready for that seat. Why don't you just let God do his job? Did he tell you he'd meet your needs? Then he will meet your needs. Didn't he tell you that he was healer? Then he's your healer. There is zero reason for strife. There's zero reason for division. You don't have to fight with anybody. Someone doesn't like what you're doing, it's their problem. Let me read the rest of this. But when you're invited, go sit down in the lowest place. So when he who invites you comes and may say, friend, go up higher, and then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I was telling the youth this a couple of weeks ago, and this is very powerful. When you go to work, they don't owe you a paycheck. Forget minimum wage. You don't want it anyway. You want to own the company. You go in there and you say, You gave me a job. I'm here to make you money. You get to work early. You leave late and don't complain and don't run your mouth and learn to get along with people and do your job. It's not a place for you to witness because unless you're at break, they didn't hire you to preach the gospel, they hired you to work. And I will tell you this, they will make a place for you. They will create it, they will give you the company. Because humility is the key to going up. Anytime you find yourself fighting with people, back away, you've just stepped out of love. All right, Luke 18. Come on now. Y'all get excited, I'm going to keep you here all afternoon. Luke 18, verse 9. He spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they are righteous and despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. He's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. And he said, God, I thank you. I'm not like all the other people. Extortioners, unjust, smoke, dope, drink, beer, got earrings in my ear. I twist, I fast twice a week. I give tithe. I've been a member of this church for 25 years. By God, if anybody ought to get a healing, it'd be me. You're liable to be the very person who don't get nothing. Because now you're thinking you doing it. Let me tell you something. You came in by the blood 25 years ago, and it is only because of the blood that you are getting anything from God right now. The reason we're worshiping God when we came in and not you is because he is and you ain't. Don't you ever, don't you ever bring to God what you did. Look at me what I did. I've been pastoring this church. <laughs> I deserve a raise. You know, I deserve to go to hell is what I deserve. I woke up this morning. I said, thank you for the blood of Jesus. I, went up, I woke up this morning walked right in the throne room of my daddy. He said, hello, son. I said, hey, pops. I said, I sure am happy about that blood. He said, you ought to be. God will meet you at the mercy seat because of what Jesus did. I don't care how long you've been living for the Lord, because what you know now, he gave that to you. What you did, he did that through you. Without him, you can do what? Nothing. And nothing in the Greek means nothing. Amen. Don't you ever forget it. Okay. A tax collector stood afar off and wouldn't even raise his eyes, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For every person who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So is important. Do you think that humility is important to be a Christian? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And humility, so, so I got one more for you. Are y'all ready? Go to First Corinthians 12. Now we're going to crank it up into high gear. We're going to change gears. I'm going to get y'all excited one time. I can't see. I see right now we ain't doing too good, but, but we, I got faith that you'll get there. First Corinthians 12, verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the ear would say, I'm not an eye, I'm not the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the whole body was an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would the smelling? But God has set the members, each one of them in the body as he pleased. And if all members, where would the body be? But now, therefore, you are many members, yet one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, nor can the head, which is Jesus, say to the feet, which is you, I have no need of you much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think are less honorable are those which stow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. God composed the body having lacks, that there would be no schism, that means division in the body, that the members would have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, All members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. For you are all the body of Christ and members individually. Now look at me. I thank God that you like my preaching. I appreciate it. How do you think I would sound if I didn't have a sound man? Do you think that that man back there, Sonny, is just not very important? Well, I think he's important because if I'm up here, you'd be wearing my voice out. And then we've got the band. Do y'all like our band? I like our band. Now, we had a man come through a few years ago, and he had a tuba ministry. A tuba, a tuba. Who plays a tuba alone? No one plays a... No one wants to hear a tuba unless it's in a band. But you put it in a band, it sounds good. Now, I like a good drum solo sometimes, but not all the time. I don't think the drums stand alone. I think they work really good with the guitar. Now, guitars can pretty much hold their own, but aren't they awesome when there's a piano or a fiddle along with them? And then when you've got Lisa and Laverne and Paul cutting loose up there and Teresa singing like angels. it has, See, and I'm trying to tell you, when the band is working, they're tight. They don't stand alone, but when everyone is sinking, so here's, I want now listen to what I'm going to say. God made it on purpose that you cannot make it in life alone. He designed you to where you must have other people. Sorry about that, guys. I knew y'all wanted to be Grizzly Adams, but it just don't work in real life. I am incomplete without Lisa, without Justin, without the band, without the ushers, without someone taking care of the kids. I don't want to take care of the kids. That's what closets are for. Put them in the closet and lock the door. (laughs) There's two things I'm not. Number one is a school teacher. I will tear them up. Okay. When I was in school, they spanked kids. They also had no shootings. Maybe if we spanked a few more of them, we could stop some of these problems we have. Now, when you stop and think about this, God designed it on purpose that you do not have everything you need. He did it to force you to get along with people. I had a preacher one time says, church would be great if it wasn't for people. I'm going to leave that alone a minute. Some of y'all are thinking. You see, the reason why you want to leave church is because your love walk sucks. And you're not Christ-like. It's not us that's the problem, it's you. That's a little strong, isn't it? When I first started pastoring, I couldn't stand anybody in this church. I cracked my whip and nobody obeyed. (laughs) I had to learn to walk in love then. Okay. Are you all out there? Are you getting this? This is extremely important because you're not going to make it in life. You're hindering your destiny By your lack of walking in love. Because the very thing you need to make it is in someone else. That's powerful, guys. And you don't like them. (laughs) And you don't get along with them very good. So therefore, you're hindered. You're a tuba. One man tuba band tooting your old horn and everybody should come listen to the tuba player. Ain't man wants to listen to a tuba. This actually was true. I don't know if it was a tuba, this guy came in and he used to be a part of, the, I think the Imperials and they broke up and got mad at one another. This guy's traveling around alone. Folks, if you're a part of a band, you need to find your band. Now I'm going to make a statement to y'all. That is why God puts you in a church. I'll say it one more time. This is why he put you in a church because everything you need to make it to your destiny is sitting right here in this room and it's not you. Somebody is going to help get you along. Now, let me, when I first got saved, I said, Lord, you want me to go into all the world? He says, no, I want you to go to Ramah. I said, I don't want to go to Ramah. He said, Brother Hagan's going to train you. I said, well, why don't you train me? He said, that's Brother Hagan's job. So listen to me what I'm going to say to you in this. There is information God will never tell you, but he will tell me to tell you. If you don't get it here, you just won't get it. And then there is information that he will give you. He will give you something for someone else. And they're going to need to sit with you and listen because you are going to be the one that helps them with the next place in their life. And then vice versa. There's people God will put in your life. They're sitting, they may be sitting here. They may be in your family someplace. And they're going to come along and help get you to your next place in God. So it's imperative, if you want a good life, that you learn to walk in love and not be envious of other people. In other words, other people have gifts and you don't have it. It's fine. I, I, I have people come in all the time. They'll look at me and say, why don't you be more like Joel Osteen? <laughs> well, I want to help you all with that. I couldn't if I tried. I tried. I don't even know how to do that. And then why aren't you more like John Hagee? And I'm going, why don't I just be me? I think, I think I'm just going to be me. And then whatever you don't like, Lisa's got it. (laughs) Are y'all okay? Are you out there? Okay. Pity. Pity. They got it better than me. I got to tell you this story. When Brother Hagan was laying on his deathbed dying as a teenager, he's laying in the bed. He's a teenager and he gets in a pity party with God. And he starts talking to God about the boys in town that aren't in bed and they're badder than he is. He said, I remember that boy right there. He's, he's a crook. He goes down and gambles. I'm better than he is, and I'm in the bed, and he's not. He said he went through this pity party all day long. He said, finally, I had to repent of my pity party before God would talk to me. Faith sings, and pity cries. You cannot compare yourself and where you are right now with other people. You don't know what they're going. You know, I don't know everything. There are things I struggle with because I don't know. You don't want to be me. There are things I don't know, but I have learned something. If I'm struggling, I'll bet you, you are. And since I want mercy and I'm doing my best I bet you, you want mercy, even though you're doing your best. So wouldn't it be nice if we all found the good in the other person rather than the bad? You know, if you want gold, you're going to dig in the dirt to get it. There is gold in you. There is something in you valuable. What if everybody looked for the good in you instead of the ugly? Because we all got some ugly. Am I the only one ugly? Oh, no. I think Lindbergh got some ugly. Yeah, Lindbergh got some You know how I know? Ronald told me. No, I'm messing with him right now, I'm teasing. Okay, the next one, we'll go real quick on this. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It's not wrong to talk about legitimate accomplishments. Did you make an A on that test? Good, you made it. I made an A on that test. I did good. That's not bragging. You made, you did good. But to think that you got there without your mama and your teacher, you deceived. Because somebody worked with you to get you to that A. You didn't do it alone. My mother and I say this because she's not here to defend herself. But one day she came to me and she drew a beautiful picture, beautiful picture. I said, "Mom, that's awesome." She said, "Jesus did it." I said, "No, he didn't." I said, "You painted that picture." No, the Lord did. I said, "Mom, that's lying." (laughs) Folks, that's false humility. I said, Jesus did not paint that picture. You did. I said, we all know he gave you the ability, but when I say you did a good job, say thank you. Now, you know when you did a good job and you tell people you want them to acknowledge you did a good job, right? That's not bragging. You did good. I did a good job today, didn't I? All right, I'm going to tell y'all something about me. If I hear y'all guys are crying and bragging on me at my funeral, I'm coming back. If I do something good, tell me now. If you do something good, don't you want somebody to say, man, we love you, we appreciate you. Get in the habit of telling people what you like right now. Amen. All right. Now, that's not bragging, but it says love vaunteth not itself. Um, It means don't take the idea of the credit. If you've made a good basket, you need to understand you are a basketball player. You made that basket, but you didn't make it without your team. Somebody was guarding you so you could shoot the ball. So learn to be team minded. If you did good, good, but then turn around and said, We won the game. We won the game. This is a good church. Amen, right? All right. Remember this, nothing escapes the eyes of God. Go to Matthew 6 and we'll close with this. Nothing escapes his eyes. Oh, this is good. I knew y'all would get quiet. I had a guy one time, he said to me, he says, I just don't believe God hears my prayers. I said, well, I can fix that in one second. He said, how? I said, cuss. And he says, I won't do that. I said, why not? He said, that's wrong. And I said, would God hear you? He says, yes. (laughs) Why do you think he heard you cuss, but he didn't hear your prayer? We're so negative if you cut, you go oh god please forgive me i shouldn't know i'm sorry god i shouldn't said but if you pray you go where are you he's he knows everything you did there's an angel following you around he writing everything down some of y'all need to think about that all right matthew 6 1 look at this take heed don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them otherwise you have no reward of your father in heaven therefore when you do a charitable deed don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue in the streets that they may have glory from men surely I say to you they have their reward when you do a charitable deed don't let your left hand know what your right hand did that your charitable deed may be in secret so your father in heaven will reward you openly. Listen to me. There are things you did and God blocked people from seeing it so he could reward you. So you walked in and they went, nobody noticed. That's the best thing to happen to you all day because God wrote it down and God's going to make sure that you get paid back. I'm going to close with, there was a day I walked into a meeting in Apopka, Florida, not in this church, in a meeting. And I said, there's a man in the city that needs to be honored. And all of the men there said, yes, they got a gift, got a meeting, and they didn't even invite me to the meeting. I was a little bothered. And they honored the guy, they put it in the newspaper, and they took the credit for it, and there is not one mention of my name in there anywhere. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I think sometimes God does things just to get you to be a little more humble. Come on, I'll come over here and preach, think. What if you did something good and someone else got the credit? Are you okay with that? If not, you need to learn to be okay with that because God saw it. And I'll guarantee you one thing He'll pay you back. You do not have to sound a horn every time you do something for somebody or start screaming, Did you see me? Did you see me? Do it anyway even though no one but you and God knows it. Because I'll guarantee you. Now listen, there's coming a day, the Bama Seat of Christ, where we're all, he's gonna stand up and he's gonna call your name. And every good thing you've ever done, they're going to announce it. Somebody's writing it down. And I'm gonna tell you something. If you got the glory for it, they're not gonna mention it in heaven. But if you did it for the Lord and you kept quiet, they're going to make a big deal about it in heaven. So do you think humility is really a big deal? Absolutely it is. Doing something for someone else so that they're benefited helps you immensely. And stay humble about it. I could tell you more stories or they'll make you cry. I went to a meeting one time uh, in the state of Florida, not here, and a, and a whole bunch of preachers went. And I walked up in that meeting and, and took charge of the meeting and pushed it forward. You, that's my personality. And when it was all said and done, they went outside and took pictures. I'm not in the picture. What do you think I thought about that? When I get, I see the picture and I go, I'm not in it. Yes, quiet. What would you do? I said nothing. I don't say anything. You don't need to. Let God be God. Let him do his job. When he decides it's time for you to be promoted, you're getting promoted. And ain't anybody gonna stop it. You're going to the top. That is powerful. You can be quiet and humble, and humble and quiet. And God goes, Joseph, you're sitting on the throne. And I don't care if your brothers don't like you, I'm gonna make you the ruler over the whole nation. And they're gonna come bow before you. There are people in your future. That will come back and say, if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be where I am. You be humble and let God use you any way He'll use you, and He'll start using you in mighty ways. You start blowing your own horn, He'll stop. Well, y'all quiet. I might as well let turn y'all over to Lisa. Is this helping y'all? Do y'all understand now? I'm preaching this because it is your love walk that's going to take you where you want to go. And you're in control of that. God's not in control of that. You have to determine now, and you have to do this. I can't do this. You have to determine to pick that Bible up after a day and go, I'm going to study these. You've got to put this own. You're going to have every opportunity in the world to act exactly the opposite of what I preached. You're going to have the opportunity to have pity party. You're going to have an opportunity to brag on yourself and get hurt. But now you're going to have to go, I'm going to put this on. And I'm going to tell you something, the more you walk in love, the more of God you have in your life. You say, God, I need more of you. Well, you're the one that determines that. He's not falling on your head like molasses or rain. He comes on you when you put him on. You put love on, you're going to fill your house with God. Your health, your well-being, your financial future is all tied to love. God is love and it's a commandment. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. As you begin doing this, you're going to start noticing Everything in your life will begin to change for the better. Your health is tied to your love walk. If you're walking in love, you're off limits to the devil. He can't touch you because you're walking in love. If you're out of love, just get back. Get under the blood of Jesus. Say, Father, forgive me. Wash me in the blood. And immediately God doesn't know you ever did anything wrong just repent, get back under the blood. How many of y'all are game to work on this with me as we go? Okay, the next one we're going to talk about is love is not rude. So, are y'all okay? We're going to talk about manners. Oh my gosh. Old fashioned manners. Can I give y'all one right now? Y'all got time? When you see somebody in in the store and they're talking, don't walk up and get in the conversation. I'm already in next week. Are y'all ready for this? You ready for me? If I'm standing here talking to my wife, don't come up here and stand right here and get in this conversation. I will say, excuse me. We're talking. There's some old-fashioned things. We yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Children are to address parents by their last, older people by their last name, even when they say, "Call me Daryl." Say yes, Mr. Morgan. Y'all coming back? Anyway, I'm, I I shouldn't be even telling you all this stuff. <laughs> This will take you places you've never been before. Father God, right now as we close this Sunday morning service out, you said love is the fulfillment of the law. All we've ever needed to do was just walk in love and the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. It's easy to do because you showed us how to do it, your love. But I've challenged this church to put love on, for husbands and wives to begin to put love on because your future, Is directly tied, your children are directly tied to your love walk. You're, to the degree you're walking in love, the degree they're walking in God. And I've challenged everybody in this room, including myself, and I'm asking Father God for this to be the lovingest group of people in Central Florida. When they walk in this church, they'll say, there's one thing I've noticed about those people. They sure do love people. And Father God, if there's people out of love right now, I'm asking you to deal with their heart, Show them how to make amends and get back to their love with each other. And I ask you to bless this service today as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.